We're in the second Sunday of 2021, 10 days in. I'd like to remind you that the 14-day trial period is coming up. So if you want to cancel 2121, you can do that. You can go ahead and do that. You're just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I thought 2020 was bad. 2021 is getting weird. I don't know what's happening. I'm tired of telling my kids that they're living through history. I'm tired of telling them that. I'm tired of telling them that they, they come in and they're like, Dad, do you think we're going to study this day, like today, like Wednesday, for example, what happened? Do you think we're going to study this day in, in history of moving forward? Do you think my kids are going to study? Absolutely, sweetie. Your kids are going to study this. This is just what we're going to do. So today, I want to talk about our enemies. I want to talk about who our enemies are. I want to talk about how, as a Christian, we need to like see the people who we think are against us. And I want to start off by saying this. I love our country. We have our flaws, we have, we have problems that we're working through, but so many of our ideas are noble. And within the context of human history, so many of our ideas are new. We're the longest running democracy that's ever existed. We've looked at the flaws of our past from slavery and injustice and oppression. We're not there yet, but we're still working on it. And so many people have sacrificed their lives so you and I can have the freedoms that we experience today. So we live in a, in, a, in a good place. And what I like about our church in this room, I know most of you pretty well. We've been together for quite a while. We've got people who vote all different ways here. We have people who, who think differently, who look at issues differently. But what we do is we come into unity here in our church under the banner of Jesus Christ. And because we do that, we we instead of like we dis disagreements causing division to where we look at each other and we can't even stand each other stand in the same room because we come under the banner of Jesus Christ our disagreements are almost like seasoning you know like we're well I'm looking at it this way well I'm looking at it this way we don't have to agree on everything as long as we're coming together under the banner of Jesus the US and study after study has been it is proven to be the most generous country in the world. The American church has missionaries that have been sent all over the world to preach the gospel. Several years ago, I was a missions pastor at a church, and my responsibility was to oversee the missions trips that our church took. And Liz and I, we, we've taken over 100 people on missions trips all over the world to different places. And one time I was in India, and um, we, we were working with an orphanage, and I actually worked in an actual leper colony. People with leprosy. You don't think that you even like, know this still exists. It still exists today. So I was working there, we were doing an eye clinic with them, then I worked, went to work in an orphanage, and most of the people that were at, at these orphanages, most of the kids that were at, the, at these orphanages were little girls. And I, I, I asked the director, I'm like, why is it mostly girls here? Where, where's all the boys? Do you guys not take care of boys here? Or you do it somewhere else? And she had a small boy section, really, really small, but it was mostly girls. Like 80% of the kids there were girls. And I asked her, why was that? And she said in the Hindu culture, in her culture, what would happen is in that system, when a girl got older and she was getting married, the parents would be responsible for paying a dowry to, the husband, to their groom's family. So if I have, I have four daughters, I have one that's probably going to get married, hopefully within the next few years, but <laughs> she's 22, but you know, it, it may happen, you know, but, but as my daughters get married, I have to give tens of thousands of dollars to this other family of resources that my family might not have. And so what happens is in that culture, 
when these parents have a baby girl and they think we're so in poverty, we don't know how we're going to get out. We don't know. We can't bear the shame of not being able to pay, the, pay this dowry. What they'll do is they'll go to an orphanage and they'll just drop that girl off. That's the best case scenario. They found girls in the backside of dumpsters covered in little small things. And so when, it, when I got home from this trip, and I'd seen all this stuff, and I'd seen how other cultures are and how they were, and there's beautiful things about that culture, absolutely. I don't want to downplay that. Beautiful things about it. There's things that they do better than us. But when I came home, I was talking to a guy, and he was all upset about America and about the direction that we were going. And he told me, he said, he said, Pastor Jeff, um, America used to be a good country. And I had just seen the leopards in the orphanage that we don't necessarily see here. I said, no, we're still a great country. We're still a great country, but we need to return to God's word. We need to return to, to, to treating people the right way, to acting the right way, to, 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 to the direction where we, we, we have to be better. We have to be better. I love our country. I hope you do too. So my heart was broken Wednesday when I saw what happened in our capital, the symbol of our democracy in action. My heart was broken. And everybody's got a theory about how we got to this point and, here, and who to blame and all this stuff. And I don't really care to even give you my point of view here. But what I want to do is I want to look at the God's word and I want us to see where we are, who we are, who they are, and what we should do about them. And by them, by they, I mean those who we think are against us, our enemies. So let's talk about where we are. In the United States, um, I, I, I grew up, or I, you, you may have heard this too, and I've heard people saying this, that, that America is chosen by God. And we have to have this this idea and a clear biblical picture of who we are as a country. And I've heard some people say that like we're a new version of Israel, and uh, even Reagan uh, used Jesus' imagery of his followers in Matthew calling America the great shiny city on the hill. I don't know if you guys remember that, that speech that he gave talking about that. So there's all this imagery that America is somehow chosen by God. And while all these things sound good, especially if you love your country, there's little to no biblical support for it. There's little to no biblical support for it. And so we have to have a good understanding of who we are as a country, of who we are as Christians. What's our role in all of this? What are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to be doing? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, the Bible tells us, and this is an instruction to the people, to the Christians, for here we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. So as Christians, this land is not our permanent home. Our permanent country, quote unquote, is the eternal kingdom of God, which has been established in the spiritual. And we're eagerly awaiting the day when it takes over in the natural. It takes over everything. So we're waiting for a city that isn't to come. So if America isn't Israel in the, in, in, in now, what is it in the Bible? And I'll say this before I move on any further. Right now, if you go on social media or you go online or you go to sometimes in other churches uh, and you listen to Christians talk, many times Christians and pastors speak with an exclamation point when the scripture speaks on that topic with a question mark. Scripture's not clear about it, but we want to say this is what it says. 
And then sometimes when the scripture speaks with an exclamation point and says, you need to be doing this, we think, mm, should we? I don't know. If the scripture tells us that we should be doing something, we need to do it. And so what happens is, is like people have these ideas of who we are and what we are and what should we do and where we should be going. And they want to make these bold proclamations about what the, that should be doing. But the scripture doesn't really say that. So what's the correlation about who we are and what we're doing in the Bible? If you look at the early church, they were occupied by Rome. And so if we're trying to make analogies and correlations and tie things together, uh, that that doesn't really fit because we're not really occupied by another country or foreign power. That's just not us. Israel uh, in the Old Testament was chosen by God's people in a specific land that was given given to them. And the last time I checked, most of us that know, I think there's a couple people church that are that have Jewish origins, but most of us are Gentiles, right? So we're not part of that. So that doesn't really fit either as America being the new Israel. And so what what is it? The only really correlation, and again, I'm not speaking with an ex- exclamation point. I'm saying if we're trying to make ties, this is kind of what it is, is America could be a similar view. If you look at it in light of Hebrews 13, we live in another city and our citizenship is in another place that we don't have a lasting city here, the only tie that you could possibly make is maybe the Babylon, where people are in exile, and they're living in exile, and God one day is going to call that people home, right? But here's the good thing. Jeremiah tells the people to settle in Babylon. Here's what he says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 through 7. He says this, The Lord says to the host, uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, from whom I have sent in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he says. Build houses. Build them. Establish yourself there. And live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Ingrain yourself in the community. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may have bare sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare will be your welfare. You can't seek the welfare of the place that you live, your nation, your city, and pray for it without loving it. So there is biblical support. If you say just like me, I love where I'm from, I love my country, there is biblical support for that in Jeremiah here. We want to work for the good of where God has us. We want to work for the good, is it? But so then why is it important for us to for, for us to make a distinction between our current home and our eternal home? I'll say it this way. My wife makes the absolute best vegetable soup. It's amazing. She lets it cook slow. She puts all kinds of stuff in there and she just kind of cooks it together. And after a while, I don't know if you guys have ever had this, where he comes in, really. After a while, you can't really tell where the carrots start and the potatoes stop. You can't really tell where this is and that is. They're just all mixed together in this glorious stew, right? And it's all mixed but you can't tell the difference between what is this and what is that. I know from looking at it, this is a carrot, but this carrot also kind of tastes like a pea. I don't know, right? Like, like it, just, it just does that. It all mixes together. Here's the problem. If we don't understand the difference of where our citizenship lies eternally, and we've mixed everything together, we 
mixed our, our love for our country. We've mixed our, our, our citizenship here and now. We've mixed our citizenship in heaven. We've mixed our Christianity with our ideas as American. We've mixed it all together. What happens is we don't know where one stops and one starts. We just don't know. But biblically, we need to know. We need to have an understanding of this. And the reason because is if we don't know where something stops and something starts, then we can be deceived. We can be deceived. Now, if you don't know the difference between your current home and your eternal home, you can mix them together, all together in one pot. And you may start making spiritual connections that the Bible doesn't make. When the Bible's talking about potatoes, you may think it's talking about carrots being tied together. If we're going down this road, we have people who have different political viewpoints in our country. And because if we as Christians tie in our love for our country, our love for the, the party that we're a part of, our love for the person that we voted for, and it's okay, you can, you can have opinions, it's fine. If you tie that together, what happens is, is that you begin to look at the people that disagree with you not as people who disagree with you, but as people who are, who are eternally your enemy on the side of Satan, because you mixed it all together. And we have to be careful to understand who our enemy actually is, who our enemies actually are. Another thing that can happen is prophecy, quote unquote prophecy, when we talk about what this is, foretelling meaning that this is going to come to pass in the future, or foretelling meaning I'm going to declare the word of God into a situation. Prophecy, instead of being used to promote the kingdom of God, it can be used to predict the outcome of elections or prop up one candidate over another, prop up that these people are right, these people are wrong. Prophecy can then be used for weird things as well. And so you have this stew of like, I don't know where one thing stops and one thing starts. I don't know where my citizenship and where it's not because we don't have a full biblical understanding about what we're supposed to be doing. And so we have to be careful. And just like we read, we just read in Jeremiah chapter 29 where he's instructing the people to work for the good of the city. In the same chapter, he says this, and some of you guys know this verse by heart, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, for the plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You can underline that. You can put a star behind that. God is for you. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing prophecy. It's an amazing declaration that Jeremiah is making that God is for you. So work for the good of the city. Live there. Multiply. God's for you. God's going to be on your side. God's a part of you. But in the middle of those two verses, just the three little verses, but we'll just read verse 8 and 9. This is what Jeremiah says. Between the verses that we read about living in, in, in the city, about multiplying, about, about uh, living in exile, and about just doing your best for that, and working for the welfare of the city, and then God having plans for a future and hope for you. This is what God says. Jeremiah 29, verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not let do not listen to their to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. There's a lot of prophecy going around right now. If you watch on social media and you see what people are sharing and all that stuff, from people who stewed their citizenship together. Test it. You don't have just because someone sounds like a preacher doesn't mean that what they're saying is from the word of God. Test it. If the fruits of the Spirit, which are in Galatians 5, 
aren't evident, that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. If the message that you're hearing doesn't carry those fruits, it's likely that that prophecy is not from God. Another thing, if it doesn't come to pass, if they're making bold predictions and it doesn't come to pass, that's not from God either. Deuteronomy 18, verse 21 through 22 says this, And if your heart, if you say in your heart, how do we know if the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord? If the word does not come to pass or come true, then the word, of, then that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, and you need not be afraid of them. And so you, you, have, you have these kind of two tests. And another thing, I think just as a pastor, and this is probably... Of anything that I'm going to say today, I'm going to get into my own opinion here a little bit because it just gets under my skin. In John 14, verse 14, verse 6, he says this, Jesus, he says, he says, the way, the truth, and the life. Among other things, he says, he is the truth. One of my biggest pet peeves is when those who identify as Christians peddle in conspiracy theories and things that are proven false because they, it plays into their personal political narrative. Jesus is the truth. We need to be on the side of the truth. We don't need to be playing, coloring outside the lines or, or playing to, to loose and fast with it. We have to be in the truth, in the facts. So it's important for us right now to work for the good of our country, for the good of our city where we live, to love in it, or to love it, to live in it, but, but also understand that our eternal citizenship lies elsewhere. Romans 12, verse 18, it says this, if possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Live peaceably with all. Now, we talked about who we are, we talked about where we are, but I want to today talk about who they are. Who is they? They is anyone who's not with us, right? Like, us means, like, I'm going to make you. You're part of the team. Like, you you can sit with me. Come on. Like, this is us. This is us. Like, we're together. But they is not with us. So they are, they are, who are, who are people who might disagree with us, who voted for the other candidate. They are people who watch the other cable news channel. They are responsible for everything that's wrong in our country. They are the ones who are deceived. They are the enemy. Let's talk about they for a second. This is where it's come to in our country, and it's really sad. Instead of loving my neighbor and being slow to speak and slow to anger, I see them, whoever they are, not as lost people hurting and in need of love, but as my mortal enemy. That's where we are today. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives this instructions to his followers, and this is what he says in Matthew 5, verse 43 through 48. You heard it said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain. And, and the, that culture of rain was actually a blessing. He sends rain to the just and to the unjust. For if you, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors who were like the, the scum of the earth back then, don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do, do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you must be therefore perfect 
as your Heavenly Father is perfect. We've got to be different. We've got to be different. We've got to act different in the world. Jesus says everyone else, everyone else in the world hates their enemies. But if you want to be sons of the Father, if you want to be daughters of the Father, you've got to love them. You've got to pray for them. So how can we change the way that we view our enemies? And turn on the news. I can tell you on Wednesday, I had all kind of feelings. Just in personally. Be transparent. I had all kind of feelings about what should happen, how we got here, and all this stuff. But how should how can I change the way that I see the people who I think are the enemy? In Matthew 9, verse 36, when Jesus says this, when when he or the Bible says this about Jesus, when he saw the crowds, when he saw crowds of people, they, we've seen a lot of crowds in the past nine months. We've seen crowds looting Target stores and looting the capital. We've seen all kinds of things in the past nine months. But when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's not saying that what is happening or what people are doing in our country right now, it's right. It's definitely not. But Jesus never told us we had to agree with our enemies. All he said was that we had to love them. So if I see someone who's harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects the sheep. He doesn't tell them what they need to hear. A shepherd leads them away from poison and predators and into security and greener pastures where they can grow and they can be saved. Sheep without a shepherd points to people who are in great danger and with, without the resources to escape from it themselves. And so when you see people who you think are, you disagree with, or you see people who are even lost, who don't profess Jesus' name, who don't say that they're a Christian, who don't follow God, who don't have any kind of direction in their life, when you see them, instead of saying, that is my enemy that I need to hate, you can look at them and say, that is a sheep without a shepherd, who's harassed, who's hurting, who's broken, who's, who, 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 who needs protection, who needs someone to come alongside of them and love them. The, the, the lack of resources that they have that, that's causing them to act like this. It could be natural resources, but it also could be emotional and spiritual. Part of the problem that we're having in our country is that people who should be filled with compassion, should be building bridges, should be the light in, in their communities, are more interested right now in playing politics so that they treat their enemies just like everyone else does. We have to be different. We have to be we have to go about this in a different way. We have to look at it and say, what, what am I doing wrong? How, how am I looking at this the wrong way? How can I look at this like Jesus looks at it? It's possible. It's possible for you to have all the right opinions biblically in, in regards to politics. Like you, like, I, 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 everything that I agree, everything that I'm voting for, everything already just lines up with the Bible. Like, like I've gotten my politics right. It's possible to get your politics right, but still miss your mission. But still get your mission wrong. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 through 21, the writer says this, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's how I used to look at people, how I used to see people, how I saw people as my enemy, how I saw people that were against me. We don't regard them according to the flesh anymore. 
even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you've heard this verse, you've heard me preach this verse hundreds of times, it feels like, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to him, himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It is reconnecting relationships that have been broken. This is the message that we have as believers in Christ. We have the ability to make connections that have been broken, to take people who are out of community, who have done things, who have, who have said things, who have acted the wrong way, who have broken relationships, and we have the ability to reconcile them first to God because we are reconciled first to God, but then also to each other. And so if we as Christians are okay with division and divisiveness and strife and quarreling and, and, and disagreements and looking and hating our enemies, if we're doing okay with that, even if we vote the right way, we're still missing the mission because our mission is the message of reconciliation. See, Paul continues in, in, in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are official government representatives of the kingdom of heaven. It's a cool way of looking at it. We are ambassadors of Christ. Making God is making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So he's telling them, hey, be reconciled to God. Because if we're not reconciled to God, if we're doing our own thing, our own way, our own, our own thoughts, all this stuff, we're, we're broken in relationship with God. So first we got to get reconciled to God first. And for the sake he made him who, who was uh, to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. You don't need to find a place where everyone that's in the room agrees with you. Trying to find position and strength in numbers. In fact, I would say this, that, that as Christians, we do some of our best work when we're in weakness. We do some of our best work when we're like in the minority. We do some of our best work when like, like, like there's this big issue that's way too big for one person to face and one person to address. And, and we have to come to God and we have to say, God, I don't know what to say or do here. I'm weak in this area. Christians do our best work when we're like this. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, he says this, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God enters the scene when we're in weakness. So you don't have to find a thousand people that agree with you on social media. You don't have to get be all about who's liking this or who's not liking that or, or being in the right or proving yourself right. All this stuff. Your, your strength is in your weakness. I want to close out today doing a couple things. I want to close out today with a prayer for our, our country. Uh, I think we should pray for our country. I think we should do that, but I think we should pray an effective prayer. You guys want to do that? I mean, like an effective prayer. Like, I, I, sometimes I think our prayers are more like, you know, um, like I heard somebody one time pray over a blessing over food, like over lunch. It's like, good, good food, good meat, good job, good seat. Like, that's what he said. Like, that's not an effective prayer. What is that? You know, what are you doing there? Like, and, or, or, you know, sometimes people, when they pray, they're, they're going to God like he's like some kind of genie, you know, or like, 
Um, God, I mean, you granted me two wishes in the past six months, so maybe I've got one more left this year. You know, like, like, can you help me out here? Like, that's the kind of prayer. Those aren't effective prayers. So how do we pray effective prayers? Like, we're going to pray for our country. Let's do it. Let's do it. And let's do it right. Let's do it, let's do it in an effective way where it's going to make a difference, where it's going to change what's going on in our city, in our state, in, in, in our own lives, in our own homes, where, where things start to change and God starts moving and doing all the kind of stuff where effective things start happening. If we're going to pray, let's pray like that, right? So how do we pray effective prayers? Two things have to happen. First thing we need to do is we need to have a confession. Confession is calling something the same thing that God does. And so if God says, I don't like divisiveness, I like unity, then we have to call it the same way. So we're being divisive, we're going to call it that. If God says that you're supposed to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we got to do that. we got to do it the way God said. We can't do it our own way and ask God to bless what we're doing. It's like that, that whole definition of insanity. You just keep doing what you're doing and expect different results. Right? Sometimes we pray like that. But if we, if we want God to do effective things, we have to call things like God calls them. The second thing that we have to do is repentance. Repentance. We need to own our own behavior here. We need to turn away from idolatry, from ideology, from behavior, from actions that we have done. Not other people. I'm not talking about our enemies. I'm talking about me. What have I contributed to the destruction of what's happening in our world? So we have to repent. We have to say, God, you know, I'm going to call things what you what you call them, and I'm going to repent for my role in what's happening. And without those things, we're just asking God to grant wishes. But I want to pray effective prayers. And so we need to own our, if we want our country to come back together and come in unity, and we don't want to see things like happen on Wednesday happen ever again. We need to own our own divisiveness. We need to own the times where we play fast and loose with the truth to make a point. We need to own our own hatred towards our enemies, and we need to own the times where we lack compassion. We have to own that. We have to own that in ourselves. And when we own it, then we can repent from it. But if you continue to justify behavior because of the way that they are, I'm the way that I am because of the way they are, you're never repenting. God, I don't really care about how they are. I don't care about how my opponents act. I don't care about how what people who think differently than I don't care how they act. I want to own my own issues that I've been bringing to the table. If we want our country to heal, we need to pray effectively, confessing, repenting, repenting.